If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Political neutrality. Not with Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good evening and welcome to The Reckoning. I'm going to dispense with my usual essay tonight because we have breaking news from the newsmaker himself. It's my great pleasure to welcome back to The Reckoning the founder of the Walkaway campaign, Brandon Strzok. Hello, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I know how busy you are today. Tell everybody why. What is the big news today? Right. So today I'm breaking the news that uh, I have prevailed in a January 6th civil case that was leveled against me almost two and a half years ago. Uh, now, to be cl clear, this is not a criminal case, which I also went through. Uh, this is a civil case. Uh, so it was brought on by a, a nonprofit law firm out of Washington, D.C., called Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Uh, this is one of those Soros-funded nonprofit law firms that does a lot of pro bono work, engaging in lawfare, suing conservatives, Trump supporters, basically using the legal system to try to bankrupt and destroy people's lives uh, with frivolous civil lawsuits. So in this case, uh, they went out and found eight Capitol Police officers who are black and brown, and sued me and several other people under the KKK Act, alleging a white supremacist attack on these black officers on January 6th. And um, I mean, the entire case is so hideously corrupt and, and ridiculous. But, um, you know, in, in this particular case, these officers that are the plaintiffs weren't even working on the same side of the building that I was on. Uh, you know, in case your audience doesn't know, I never went inside the Capitol on January 6th. I was out on the grounds. I didn't engage in any violence. I was never accused of engaging in any violence, even in my criminal case. And nonetheless, this law firm sued me under the KKK Act, alleging that I caused injuries to these black and brown officers and that I did so intentionally as a, an act of white supremacy and racism. Brandon, I think this is the perhaps the most significant January 6th case to date for a number of reasons. First, as you mentioned, it was brought by black and brown officers. They tried to make this a racial issue when race had absolutely nothing to do with what happened on January 6th. This case, as you mentioned, is exposed the Capitol Police as a thoroughly corrupt organization, top to bottom because you have people that weren't even on the same side of the Capitol. One of the officers, if I'm correct, was even in Maryland. He wasn't even in the district on the right. day that you were alleged to have injured him. And the injuries ranged from stressing them out to causing them to be exhausted. I mean, the whole thing was ludicrous. So it's important for that reason that it exposed the Capitol Police as a corrupt organization. But it was also important, I believe, because not even a D.C. jury would buy these ludicrous allegations. Right. So so what ended up happening is they came at me with six different counts, which range from uh, conspiracy, civil rights conspiracy to um, assault and battery and uh, a slew of other things. And um, so the majority of the counts against me were initially dismissed. But I was kept in the case on the assault and battery uh, claims because it's it's a very messed up thing. And for people, I, I never would have understood this myself if I didn't go through it. And people are going to hear this and they're going to think it's crazy. But I, I promise you it's true. In civil proceedings, the judge overseeing the civil case is bound by the complaint that he receives up until the point that uh, the case goes to trial. So in other words, if somebody brings a case against you and they say, you came into my house and you punched me in the face and you lit my house on fire, the judge actually is required to believe that's true up until the point where you enter discovery. And then it's you have to prove that you didn't do it. I, I mean, it's so backwards and crazy. So I actually don't blame the judge for the fact that he, the case advanced into discovery. But once we were in discovery, we were able to start making discovery demands of the plaintiffs. Like for instance, demanding to know their, their whereabouts every moment of January 6th. 
And that's when we discovered that one of the plaintiffs who was accusing me of assault and battery was in Maryland at the time that I was at the Capitol. And all of the other plaintiffs were working on other sides of the building that I was on. Not to mention the fact that I'd like to repeat again, I was never accused of violence after being investigated by the FBI, the DOJ, the January 6th committee. Never once did anyone accuse me of any assault or any battery, but in this civil lawsuit, they lied and they said that I attacked these officers and so we had to proceed to discovery. But once we got to discovery and all of these lies came out, that's when my attorney wrote a letter to the uh, the plaintiff's lawyers and said that if they were going to continue this action against me, we were going to seek sanctions against them uh, and go after them. And at this point now, they've all agreed to drop the case. Which is fantastic because that's exactly the correct tactic. You have to go after these lawyers that are bringing these absurd cases. And, and to be clear this was a civil liability for assault and battery with a lowered burden of proof only preponderance right. of the evidence not overwhelming proof and it's interesting because you were never criminally charged with assault and battery typically you've got a case like oj simpson right he's, he's charged with first degree murder of nicole simpson and ron uh, goldman and then the families sued him civilly well here, you were sued civilly for something you were never even alleged to have done in the criminal complaint against you. This case was so corrupt from the very beginning, and there, uh, there's so much more I could say, and I, and I will. I'm going to continue to talk about this in the coming weeks and all of the various things that happened. You know, when we got to the point earlier this year that the judge passed through two of these counts, which meant that I was going to have to enter discovery, um, we had an initial settlement conversation with these plaintiffs because I didn't want people don't understand how expensive this is to go through. And I, I had to literally spend $150,000 to get to this point where I am now cleared completely in this case. But who can go through something like that? And um, so when we got to the point of uh, getting to the point of going to discovery, we sat down and had a settlement conversation. Uh, and for the record, we, I did not financially settle with these plaintiffs and I refused to. I told my lawyer I wouldn't give them a dime. I will not pay them and I never did. I didn't pay them anything. But they said to us that they would consider dismissing the case against me for a financial settlement. And they said, so my lawyer said, well, we haven't even gotten, uh, you know, you haven't even stated what their injuries are. Like, what is the value? What are their injuries? And what are the value of these alleged injuries? You haven't even stated this. The lawyers responded to us, and I'm not kidding. They said, well, we couldn't imagine coming up with a fi financial settlement offer until we've seen Mr. Strzok's bank statements. They yeah. literally wanted to know how much money I had before they were willing to make a settlement offer. And I told it's my like attorney, when my, Yeah, it's like when it. my father was stopped on his way down to Texas one time in a small town in a state that shall be remain unnamed. And the officer saw that he had New York tags on his vehicle. This is back in the 1950s. And he stops him and, you know, do you know how fast you were going? Yes, officer, 35, just like the sign said. Well, I had you a bit more than that, but we can avoid the whole need for a trial if you uh, just pay the fine. My father said, how much is the fine? And the officer, and I swear this is the way my dad tells the story, the officer said, well, that all depends how much you got. So it's the same kind of thing. These guys were just looking for a payday. It's great yeah. that you exposed him. And I'm glad that you mentioned how much it cost you. It cost you not only $150,000, but it cost you hundreds of hours of time that you could yeah. have spent more productively. And of course, that's part of it. How can people help you, Brandon, to recoup uh, that $150,000? Where can they go? Well, that's very kind. Uh, if anybody wants to do that, um, I, I did set up a defense fund for myself at my website, which is brandonstrock.com. Uh, my name is spelled B-R-A-N-D-O-N, last name S-T-R-A-K-A, -A, like straka.com. Uh, people can do that. And I got to tell you, too, I mean, something I'm I'm actually very excited about is that for the first time in almost three years, 
uh, I'm now going to get to start focusing on fundraising for my organization once again. I mean, right. my heart and soul and my passion is the work I do with Walkaway. And it's been it's been hell having to figure out how I'm going to pay for a criminal case, how I'm going to pay for a civil case, and how I'm going to keep my employees employed in my organization, in a nonprofit organization. Um, so this is going to be a game changer, being able to once again just focus on doing my work. But uh, if anybody wants to help, they can go to brandonstrock.com. And, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. I know you got to go. You got a lot of hits tonight. Thank you for coming on. I would like to have you back in January for a, a longer discussion and, and talking about what we can do going forward into this critical election year. You can also find him on X at Brandon Strzok. Again, that's B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-T-R-A-K-A. -A -A. The last A is silent. Thanks again, Brandon. Thank you so much. Do you have a suggestion for a possible guest that you'd like to hear on TNT Radio? Or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss? Then we want to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT Radio website. Help us make a difference on TNT Radio. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. On Monday, U.S. Steel, the iconic Pittsburgh steelmaker, agreed to sell itself to Japan's Nippon Steel for $14.1 billion, capping off months of speculation about the fate of what was once the largest corporation in the world. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Hey, Ruckus. Hey, Timothy. Yeah, this kind of feels like a sad story for America in a way. It's a historic deal. Um, so I don't know. This is a uh, big news. Uh, this uh, deal was just unveiled this morning. As of December 18th, the world woke up and found out about this one. Uh, this would make U.S. Steel a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, as Nippon Steel. I, I kept keep thinking it Nippon. Uh, when I say Nippon, it sounds dirty to me for some reason. Uh, the Japanese steel giant offered an all-cash transaction with a price of $55 per share, uh, which represents a 40% premium to U.S. Steel's closing stock price on Friday, December 15th. Uh, as part of the agreement, U.S. Steel will retain its name and its headquarters in Pittsburgh, where it was founded in 1901. Nippon Steel also stated that it'll honor all collective bargaining agreements that are already in place with United Steelworks, USW, as part of its commitment to, quote, maintaining strong stakeholder relations, end quote. Nippon Steel, which will pay an equity value of approximately $14.1 billion plus $800 million in the assumption of debt 
for the largest acquisition in the company's history, called it a worthwhile investment that aligns with its overseas business strategy. With this takeover, Nippon Steel is expected to further enhance its U.S. operations alongside Japan, India, and Southeast Asia, where the company sees quote-unquote significant market volume and growth potential. According to the World Steel Association, Nippon Steel raked ranked fourth globally in terms of steel production last year, whereas U.S. Steel ranked 27th. The transaction has been unanimously approved by the boards of directors of both companies. The goal is to close on the acquisition by the second or third quarter of calendar year 2024, which would be subject to approval by U.S. Steel's shareholders. Uh, Nippon Steel President Iaija Hashimoto said in a statement, quote, We are excited that this transaction brings together two companies with world-leading technologies and manufacturing capabilities, demonstrating our mission to serve customers worldwide, as well as our commitment to building a more environmentally friendly society through the decarbonization of steel, end quote. Uh, as for U.S. Steel's CEO, David Burrett, he said, quote, we are confident that like our strategy, this combination is truly best for all, end quote. His statement was much shorter. Uh, the deal comes four months after U.S. Steel turned down a takeover bid from one of its rivals, uh, Cleveland Cliffs, who offered seven Excuse me. They offered $7.3 billion, and that was based on $17.50 per share. That would be less than half the price tag that was placed by Nippon. Just the day after Cleveland Cliffs went public with its offer, Pennsylvania-based Esmark Inc. also unveiled an all-cash offer for all of U.S. Steel for a pish-posh $35 per share. I think Japan certainly came to the table with the biggest amount of cash. Timothy, uh, but what do you think about this deal and or the history of U.S. Steel and or what it means for America in general? Well, you're right. It is a sad day for American manufacturing. U.S. Steel helped build all the ship, the steel that was used in all the ships and all the tanks and all the airplanes that we used to win World War II. It built all the iconic bridges in America. It was literally the heart of American industrialization. And it had a tremendous presence in Pittsburgh as well as elsewhere in the country and an impress impressive presence on the global stage. But technology has passed it by. It uses blast furnaces instead of the arc furnaces that are more common now that are used to melt down scrap metal. U.S. Steel still manufactures steel from iron ore and coal and that's going out of style don't know whether it should i think the specialty steels are certainly important but i don't know that not using carbon to make steel is a great long-term strategy we've seen you know how quickly the uh cars made with recycled metals will rust out at least we see that here in the northeast so what does the future hold for American consumers? I think it's a little too early to say. Yeah, and then there was that strange talk about the, uh, the again, we see this, um, the ESG stuff, uh, they talk about decarbonization, the steel industry. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's that's going to affect prices or something. By the way, on uh, for the part, not everyone's happy about this. Uh, the United Steelworkers, they're certainly not happy about it. They were before this happened. They were saying that they would only accept offers from the the Cleveland Cliffs company uh, because they represented by the same union. Uh, but now it's done, right? So when they heard the news, the the steelworker United Steelworkers uh, say that. Uh, they don't like it. They said that it demonstrated, quote, the same greedy, short-sighted attitude that has guided U.S. steel for far too long. Uh, they furthermore said, quote, we remained open throughout this process to working with U.S. steel to keep this iconic American company domestically owned and operated. But instead, it chose to push aside the concerns of its dedicated workforce and sell to a foreign owned company, end quote. So the, this concept of it being 
bought out by a foreign company after what 122 years or so. This was what part of the the Carnegie dynasty, or was this Morgan? Yeah, Carnegie. This was one of his things. Well, it was right? both. It was it was started by Andrew Carnegie, and it was funded by J.P. Morgan. And this ah, okay. was one of the uh, this was one of the most important businesses during the Industrial Revolution, during the 1880s, 1890s, and. I understand how well how the steel workers feel. Fortunately, Japan is now a very close ally, but what if that changes? Right? We were allies with Germany before uh, World War One. So, you know, times change. This is a testament to the power of globalization, right? They went with fifty-five dollars a share instead of thirty-five dollars a share, based solely on the uh, monetary value of the deal and other considerations were put aside. That's why Pope Benedict XVI had an encyclical that when it addressed economic issues, it urged, said, we are not in the business, we the Catholic Church are not in the business of determining the, the capitalist mechanisms of operating an economy, but we will put forward moral guidelines that you should consider when you develop your economic systems. And one of those guidelines, Adams, Adam, was that in addition to the profit motive, not, not instead of, this is communism or socialism, but in addition to the profit motive, there are other considerations such as worker safety, worker health, worker livelihoods that need to be considered. You, you have to do the most good for the most number of people when you take these decisions. And here, it seems like the only people that are going to benefit are the stockholders. And I don't know that the uh, workers and other uh, parties, other stakeholders, are going to come out so well on this deal. Oh, no, you're absolutely correct there. And I, I, I just, it's, I wonder how much of that did they feel like they were pressured to do this? What other failing policies from say the current administration has has led to a, or past administrations has led to a problem in this industry to where i mean they were they were ranked only 27th i mean this used to be one of the largest corporations on the planet what happened so i think obviously it's a sign that america's manufacturing and and our impact um in, in these certain industries is certainly fallen to the wayside and i wonder who or what is to blame for that you know um but well certainly for u.s steel <laughs> yeah certainly uh, george hw bush with nafta and bill clinton with nafta are to blame that was a big blow to american manufacturing and then china right giving china most favored nation status in 2000 uh the, one of the last things that the clinton administration did that's um it's not uh, it's not good, Adam, to give your economic rivals advantages and reserving none for yourself. Also, do you think this is a sign, uh, maybe not necessarily part of a grander plan, but we do see the world moving towards this this globalization idea? Like it, it's uh, at least some sort of schizoid version of like bipolarity how you know multipolar world um is is i don't know america has certainly lost its exceptionalism we'll just we'll just leave it at that i guess but things yeah, are changing. I, I think it's sad to say i don't know that this ever would have passed muster in a trump administration which again stolen elections have consequences don't they well, that's a good point, but uh, hopefully maybe there's a chance we might get to find out because I hear he's got a lot of plans for what he's going to do if he makes it for his second term. He's got some people running scared about those plans from what I understand as well. He does, and I hope and I pray he was playing politics when he said he wouldn't rule out Nikki Haley as vice president. That would be an absolute disaster, not only for him personally, and his political hopes of regaining the presidency, but for America in general, she is the worst of the worst. I heard somebody who was Steve Bannon, I think was floating around the idea that he's quite convinced that Trump will pick a female as his VP running mate. And I, I agree with your sentiment. I sure hope it's not Nikki Haley. That would be a bad idea on his Look, part for sure. I don't favor picking people based on things they can't control, such as their uh, 
gender or their race, et cetera. You know, you shouldn't be, unless you're picking a basketball team, don't pick people based on height. Don't pick people based on race by gender. If he's going to have a woman though, there's only one woman that I would find acceptable and not only acceptable, but phenomenal. And that's Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay. I could see that. It'd be an interesting ticket. You know, I don't agree with her on every single point, but I think of all the female politicians we have out there that are ready to be vice president. I mean, people have floated Carrie Lake and Carrie'd be great, but she's never held a political office. Of course, Donald Trump didn't either before he was president. And uh, I think Sarah would be great. She's executive now of a one of the 50 states. She's the governor of Arkansas, and, and she would be great. But Nikki Haley, I can't even hold my nose and vote for Nikki Haley. If Nikki Haley is the vice president, ah, it's going to be tough, going to be real tough. And uh, I'll crawl over broken glass to vote for Donald Trump again. But I don't know if uh, I don't know if Nikki's going to get me skipping to the polls. No, it's certainly not. That's the most frightening thing. Thanks, Timothy, for the nightmares on that one. You're welcome, Adam. I'll catch you tomorrow. You're going to have another great story for us. I am certain. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. What a news day this is turning out to be. Let's finish it. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Former President Trump's legal team in Georgia filed a court document on December 18th arguing that his post-2020 election remarks are constitutionally protected as political speech under the First Amendment. The European Union has initiated formal infringement proceedings against Elon Musk's social media platform X in response to potential violations of the Digital Service Act. President Joe Biden was startled when a car collided with an SUV in his motorcade in Wilmington, Delaware. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My great pleasure to have my TNT radio colleague, Stephen Hook, sitting in tonight. Hey, Steve. Hey, Timothy. How are you, brother? It's great to see you, my friend. It's great to see you. I got to say, I'm a little irked, a little irked. All these Southerners sending their rain up north don't they know it's december and we're supposed to have a little bit of the holly jolly on the ground we're supposed to have at least a foot and uh it's snowed twice here now appreciably of course you know we get a dusting an inch or two now and then uh, regularly through the week but we've we've had two substantial snowfalls and each time steve it went up to 50 degrees and started raining yeah well yeah listen pause the anger because I suspect we're going to get more than we want uh, in the coming months. We'll see. I don't know. But, I uh, can't get enough. I can't get enough. We're supposed to. Oh, really? We You're a snow guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we typically get 10 feet, 120 inches a year. That's our average. Uh, wow. It's been a little down over the last couple of years. It's been a little higher a couple of years. But, yeah, I love snowmobiling, skiing, snowshoeing. I, I always run hot. You saw me in Memphis. I'm not a happy oh, yeah. camper when it's when it's hot and humid. So yeah, and uh, Memphis yeah. is not the place to be if you want to avoid humid and heat because there's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, we need to have a little conversation with the Libertarian <laughs> Party scheduling their convention in in August in uh, <laughs> Memphis or late July in Memphis. That was uh, <laughs> luckily it was it wasn't too bad for Memphis standards, but I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Yeah, it was really warm. Well, you know, I tell you what, Timothy, I, you know, I'm on the Jersey Shore, and last year we got literally nothing. I mean, we yeah. got a dusting once, and that was it. And actually, even the year before that, we may have gotten four inches, and now the year before that, we got like 37 inches. So, right, uh, in one storm, mind you, in one storm. So, I have a feeling that we've just been uh, dodging the, uh, the the Arctic bullet here for far too long, and I had Joe Bastardi on the show, uh, goodness, a month or two ago. And he said, uh, you guys are going to get it this year. Um, it may be later in December, January, but you'll get some storms. Uh, and now we're seeing some of that come true, but it's just mainly rain for us anyway, and a lot of it. Yeah. Are you, are you getting lashed with this storm? My friends up in New England are getting hammered. They're bad flooding up there. Yeah. Well, it was here for a while. It was raining pretty good. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, around 3 p.m. today, the sun broke through the clouds, and 
it went away. Then we got a little bit of wind, and then it was gone. And that's what your friends are probably experiencing, what we had. I woke up this morning very early, and it was really coming down. But uh, thankfully, knocking on wood, uh, it's it, it's gone for a while. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, and people don't understand because it's our floods aren't like the Midwest floods, right? The Midwest floods are basically caused by the Army Corps of Engineers and all their construction projects along the Mississippi River. And yep. they have no place for the water to go. Well, when it rains a lot in the Northeast, particularly in Northern Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine, it's because the soil is granite, right? It's a thin layer of soil on top of granite. You can't even have uh, gas lines up in New Hampshire. Everybody has to use oil for their heat because uh, you can't penetrate the ground. No, you can't have a swimming pool. Uh, or if you do, it's it's absurdly expensive. So yeah. it's a little bit different situation up there than in the rest of the country. And their uh, their rivers are swollen, and they're they're having some serious issues right before Christmas. So I hope all my friends in Northern New England are are okay. Yeah, yeah, we haven't uh, we we haven't. Uh, you know, what we get is flash floods. It'll just all of a sudden right. it'll rain so hard, and then it's just it's it's uh, the, as we call them the old gully washers, you know, but. So far today, so far this year, we've been, we've been, we've kind of dodged a lot of bullets, but again, I don't suspect that's going to last. Exactly. Now, speaking of stormy weather, did you see Vivek drop the F-bomb on, uh, on CNN? And he was at the, uh, I believe it was the uh, Turning Point USA conference, uh, yeah. but talking about CNA, CNN, he, he said, he said, Van Jones going on, of course, Van Jones projecting like crazy saying that. We're watching the rise of an American uh, dictator and all this nonsense about oh, Vivek, how basically portraying him as a Nazi and Vivek just says, it's time for Van Jones just to shut the F up. And he said it and the crowd yeah. goes crazy. And then he doubled down and said it again. What do you think about this? This is clearly the Donald Trump effect in politics. I think I think you're right. I, and also, you know, we can't forget that Vivek was just on CNN and he was getting peppered by and I forget the girl's name that was questioning him, but he got. Wait, peppered did you just assume her gender? Yeah, well, I, she was wearing a dress, I'm assuming. Yeah, maybe call me old fashioned, you know, but uh, yeah, he, he was getting peppered with this stuff about January 6th, where he had basically just said, look, we know for a fact that there were plants in that crowd and that there were yeah. FBI agents that were wearing uh, MAGA hats and carrying the Gadsden flag and all this stuff. And we've seen the tape. And she just kept saying, you have no evidence of that. And of course, that's CNN. And the funny thing is, you know, Timothy, is she probably believed that. <laughs> she probably bought into her own line of questioning and he just was having none of that. So I'm sure he well, had a bit of a chip on his shoulder about that. Yeah, not only did she probably believe it, but she probably had a producer. And I, I got a little play on X with my reply uh, to his tweet about it by saying, I just want the live feed of recording of the producer in her ear. Amy, don't let him say that. Amy, you got to stop him. <laughs> Cut him off. Because what he said was, you need somebody that's going to tell the truth to you. And I'll tell the truth to you. And it looks like at this point that January 6th was an inside job. It looks like the government for 20 years has been lying about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. It looks like the virus was manufactured in a Wuhan lab that Dr. Fauci funded using Ralph Barrick at EcoHealth Alliance. And it looks like the scamdemic, the vaccine, is neither safe nor effective. And he kept going on and on and on. And she was literally jumping out of her skin and the crowd was going crazy. And then when she tried to stop him, saying she's not going to promote i don't mean to interrupt you of course she clearly meant to interrupt him i don't mean to interrupt you vivek but i cannot allow you to continue to misinform this audience and the audience roared with laughter at her <laughs> i know and it's a cnn audience so go yeah. figure yeah. i mean you know maybe with any luck timothy the scales are falling from a lot of their viewers well they don't have a lot of viewers but what viewers they do have uh, the scales are falling from their eyes. One of the biggest, one of the worst things that happened to CNN in the last, I don't know, three or four years 
was they lost the contract with the airports. So, you know, and, and, you know, every time you walked into an airport, I don't care if you were in Atlanta or if you were in O'Hare or if you were in LAX, all you could get was CNN. And now it's, it's not on any of them really. Um, that, that was a pretty big hit to their numbers. I'm sure once they lost the, uh, the, the, the gates at the airport, uh, their numbers started to tank. That might have some correlation to the audience's response. Um, people are not, people are fed up, man. People are fed up. People see it. People are, people feel it, especially this time of year. Uh, they're spending money that they don't have. Uh, they're going in debt. Uh, to pay for Johnny, Johnny and, uh, you know, and, and Lisa's Christmas gifts. Um, and they're fed up and, and Vivek speaking what the, you know, what the progressive used to love speaking truth to power, uh, kind of takes them off, I guess, over at CNN, but the audience certainly seemed to, to lap it up. Yeah. They only want their truth spoken to conservative power. They don't like it when you challenge their narrative and yeah. it's, it's, it's funny because you mentioned the CNN losing the contract with the airlines or the airports. They also had to close their flagship office in downtown Atlanta. The CNN building is yeah. no more. That's my hometown. Yeah. I mean, that would be like NBC having to leave 30 rock. <laughs> One can only hope. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, b- by the way, that part of Atlanta uh, once upon a time was a pretty decent part. You had the Omni, which was the big, uh, yeah. uh, the, the, the big arena there, um, connected to the Omni hotel and, but it's really kind of, it's, it's not nearly as nice as it used to be. And that's not really the fault of Atlanta so much as it's just changed around a lot. The Olympics, they shifted a whole lot of places, uh, a whole lot of, uh, businesses around. And, and so the Omni uh, was de- demolished to build the Georgia Georgia Dome. And typically in Atlanta fashion, buildings don't last for long. And they build them and then they say, hey, yeah, we can do better. And then 30 years later, they tear them down. That's exactly what they did with the Georgia Dome. Of course, now they've got Mercedes-Benz Stadium there. But that's where that is. That's that's roughly geographically where the CNN building was. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, you, you'll recall, I think it was earlier this year, they had a whole bunch of protesters out there throwing rocks at that building and throwing bricks and. Oh yeah. The, it was incredible. Yep. We got more to discuss after this break. You're listening to the reckoning on TNT radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. There are big changes going on in the overall global weather pattern over the next 15 to 20 days, exactly opposite of what happened last year. The United States overall is going to become a big focal point for winter weather. Europe also, again, once we get past this transition from the 20th through the 30th. So Europe is warmed up, but a lot of cold is coming, it looks to me, like January, February. And the U.S. may have another bout with snowmageddon especially in the eastern part of the United States. But this is all part of this climate hypothesis I've developed due to underwater volcanic activity. And I've gone over this a couple of times and it's pretty hard to do it in a minute or two, so I'm not going to review it. But what we said over a month ago was that there was going to be a lot of damaging storms from the El Nino this year the Gulf of Mexico up the East Coast, and we got another one coming. We already saw Florida blasted back on November 17th, or here comes the next one. But I also said, look out for the hurricane season from hell next hurricane season. That's already on my radar. And if you want to read about it, you go to weatherbell.com. It's not behind the paywall. And you can take a look at what I'm looking at with that. But none of this is part of man-made climate change. That's why I like getting out in front. Because if you look at the readings that I've been doing and actually look at what I've been writing about all this, you find that there is a reason behind it and it has nothing to do with CO2 emissions. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling, but we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy, and I want them to see me working through things. 
Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle, that even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're going to figure it out together. Welcome to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, Steve, we had a race to the bottom in the Senate last week. Uh, It appears that that having Jacob Shansley, the QAnon shaman, saying a prayer in the United States Senate is somehow desecrating the chamber. But filming yourself having homosexual relations in a Senate hearing room, apparently that's a-okay for the Democrats. I just what an what an ugly week for Democrats, quite frankly. Um, of course, to them, it's probably, you know, checks off quite a few virtue boxes. Uh, but, you know, how dare you uh, complain about what these young men did in the sanctity of the uh, like, wait, slowdown? But I mean, that's where they're at. And I, I thought the whole story was. Uh, I, I To say distasteful is so oversimplification. But it was, I love the free beak. I mean, the uh, the uh, Babylon Bee came out with a great meme. It's a picture of a dude in what, what looks like a very uh, heavy-duty hazmat suit, almost like a, a space outfit uh, with a, a flamethrower. And it says, Capital Janitors, deep clean the Senate chamber with flamethrowers. So, <laughs> Well, I believe, I believe they brought in Bill Murray from Stripes. Remember, he had to clean out the swimming pool. <laughs> well, here's here's what uh speaking of that week, uh, Representative Mike Collins uh really hit it with a great tweet on on X, I guess we'll call them tweets. He said, "Heck of a week for the left. Gay porn in the Senate, uh swe- swearing in on child porn in Virginia, tranny tap, tap dancers in the White House, and a, a satanic statue uh in, in Iowa." So, that's that's what the the left has been up to in this past week. Uh, of course, the the gay swearing in. I don't know if you saw that, yeah. but I think it was yeah. The, the guy it was a uh, and his and his male lover was holding these books that were supposedly banned, not really banned, just pulled from some high school or even elementary school shelves, and he swore in on this stack of uh, gender queer and lawn boy, basically and child these- pornography books. Yeah. Exactly right. And so that's what he uh, he took his oath of office uh, for another term in the school board on those books. Kind of lets you know where their priorities are. Exactly. Those books, just to be clear, they're graphic novels, one of them showing a boy fantasizing about performing oral sex on another boy. And it's just degenerate stuff. It gets worse from there. Yeah. It gets worse from there. It's degenerate stuff. And Look, two consenting adults want to do whatever they want to do, wherever they want to do, fine. But let's have a little bit of what what happened to the decorum of the Senate. You know, all these Democrat senators were so concerned about the decorum of the Senate when when Jacob Chansley said a prayer ushered in by Capitol Police officers and said a prayer and left, didn't desecrate anything. and, And that's somehow problematic, but this was fine. and. It was, um, as you said, every single thing that happened last week was just front and center. This is what Dem- this is what voting Democrat is all about. If you support these kind of demented, disgusting, degenerate activities, then absolutely vote Democrat. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'll I'll tell you, Timothy, with me, I don't give a damn if it was gay sex or straight sex. You don't right. do it. Uh, this is the same room, by the way, that uh, that James Comey gave his testimony in. Of course, it's, some could call that de- desecration in its own right. Uh, 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 Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor was questioned in, and that was where she was. Uh, you know, but, but when she went to give testimony before she got the the, the judicial spot, so it, it it's not like it's a private office somewhere. No, no, no. This is but, the big hearing room in the in the Hart yeah. Senate office building, which is the furthest away from the Capitol, which is all marble. It's got the Alexander Calder mobile and stable yep. stable in the lot in the uh, lobby. It, it's beautiful building and people might have seen it. It's the hearing room that has the marble wall behind the dais. 
Yeah, exactly right. And and it's one that we've all seen before on our televisions. And I'll tell you something, Timothy, that I think was very, very telling. NBC, the way they presented this story, not on the news, I didn't see the newscast, uh, but I did see the way they presented it online. And they said, and I quote, conservative commentators allege right. gay sex in the Senate. It's, it's like, like, well, first got of all, the receipts. Yeah. First of all, the guy posted it. Secondly, Cardin had already fired the guy. And yet NBC decides to put this little, you know, this little uh, 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 caveat that it was conservatives that brought this up. As And then this guy goes on and it goes all over Twitter. Now he's, by the way, he's completely undercover. He's like I, I, no longer public. But he said, this just smacks of homophobia. And yeah, like, don't you, you love it how... Calling yeah. out the calling out the degenerate activity is somehow the degenerate activity, right? So it's conservatives <laughs> calling this out is bad, and I, I guess their logic is Bill Clinton already broke the cherry on this kind of thing using the Oval <laughs> Office, so it was it was the Senate's time. I guess we can look forward to this something along this uh, these lines happening in the Cannon House Office Building next. You know then. Where next? The Supreme Court? I mean, come on. Uh, it beggars, yeah, it beggars belief. And, and and the other story this week where they criticized, oh, they criticized the former Navy pilot for beheading Baphomet and throwing his, his head in the trash out in Iowa there. And it's you know, people say, oh, they violated the Church of Satan's free speech rights. It's like, no, he didn't. He was exercising his own free speech rights. Now, yeah. is there going to be consequences to that speech for vandalism, whatever? Fine. But don't come at me with he violated their First Amendment rights because individuals, private individuals cannot violate your, your free speech rights. All he was doing was exercising his own. Yeah, well, you know, and and you know the thing is about that that just drives me up a wall, and it's always these Satanists, these these atheist types. First of all, I don't think they're really Satanists. I think they're atheists, and they just want to piss off Christians. That's what I think. And, and kind of like the metal bands of the '80s, right? Yeah, very much. Get on the shtick, and you know, it'll you'll sell a few records. In this case, they're like, "What can we do to really tick off the Christians?" Because the Christians are shoving their religion down our throat. And of course, that's, I've never bought into that argument. I'm like, well, first of all, no, no they don't. Uh, I, I, but I will tell you, Hollywood is shoving their immorality down my throat. And so is the yeah. news. And so is apparently some of uh, Cardin's former aides. And I mean, so uh, I, I think that, but that's what they do. And you'd never see a Christian group say, what can we do to tick off, pick your, pick your category, pick your group. Let's go, let's go to a mosque. And and erect a crucifix just to see what will happen. You'd never yeah, see funny that. They never do that. Yeah. They never seem yeah, they, to do that. Yeah. They'll never, they'll never erect a, a statue to, uh, uh, to Satan, uh, uh, on the grounds of a mosque. No, you, no, 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 that won't, that won't fly. And are there, Crazy. <laughs> is there a more benighted bunch of boobs on the planet than queers for Palestine? Do these people not realize, <laughs> do they not realize that they would build a taller building in Gaza just, just to, to throw, throw them, them off? off? Yeah, it really I, is. I mean, this is, this is when, you know, intersectionality is the same as we used to call it stupidity. Uh, and, and now it's intersectionality. Well, I support them because they support me. But here's the deal. They don't support you. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how many Palestinian flags you carry around. They're not going to support you if you include the rainbow flag. Uh, that's You can you can kiss that goodbye. Intersectionality, well, idiotic. The whole idea that it's a community now, right? The LGBTQIAA+, we all know that what the plus stands for. They took away the P and they just made it a plus, but plus stands, of course, for pedophilia and any other thing that they want to add on. But yeah. they call this a community. It's not a community. The LGBT community wasn't a community, right? The, yeah. the L's hate the G's. They both hate the B's and no one wants anything to do with the T's in that in that. <laughs> Uh, social <laughs> that, that social construct. Okay, it's not a community. And uh, tell and me, you I'm know, wrong. You know, no, no, you're right because I mean, 
You'll recall when, when Martina Navratilova, a very a, a great tennis player, phenomenal. she was yeah. the she was a, a phenomenal tennis player. She came out and uh, she came out as uh, as lesbian, and that was a big thing. And and they all supported her. They all rallied to her cause. And and you know what? She was not. She didn't shove it down anybody's throat. She goes, hey, you know what? I have to love women. No big deal. Whatever. Right. We got over it. But the second she came out and said, hey, this transgender stuff, that's not that. They're not on my team. And you trying right. to put uh, uh, men that th- say they're women into sports against girls. No, no. And now what are they? Now they cast her aside. Now she's an apostate to the community. Um, well, speaking of apostates, you know, I, I'm I'm Roman Catholic and I've been not a fan of Pope Francis. I call him Frankie Two Fingers because he's flipping off the faithful with both hands. I thought I'd give him a nice Jersey nickname there, Frankie Two Fingers. <laughs> I, I'm starting to believe that he's an apostate because now he's saying that priests can can bless, bless. homosexual unions without conducting a in-depth moral inquiry are you kidding me this violates one of the fundamental precepts of the faith and it's uh it's a troubling time but as my father says if you want proof of the holy ghost consider that the church that jesus christ founded is still going strong after two thousand years of men doing their best to screw it up yeah well said and you know i'm not catholic i'm presbyterian but uh, i do know a lot of uh a, a lot of uh, my friends are Catholic, and they're questioning the same thing about Francis. Now, I think it's important to remember that Pope Francis comes from a very leftist uh, part of the world. Yeah. I mean, he was he, he was he, he's been a leftist his whole life, and it's not like uh, you know him being uh, to, when he rose to the to the rank of Pope. I don't really know the whole. I, I don't know all the terms, Timothy. I'm like I said, sure. I'm a Presbyterian, okay. but but I, I know that. The question back then was, is his history, is his background, uh, being from Central America or South America, is that going to play into the pontiff's way of doing things within the church? Well, and they all swore these years up and later, down that he was an anti-communist. Yes. Yeah, they swore up and down that he was an anti-communist, and I didn't buy it for a moment because he was an Argentine Jesuit. And it was the South yeah. American Jesuits that created liberation theology, which is basically Marxism grafted onto Catholicism. Yeah. You can look it up, liberation theology. It's bad news. It's bad theology. And people say, no, I can't believe this. It's like, that's as stupid as saying that you couldn't believe what Obama did. I mean, what did you think fundamental transformation meant? And, yeah. you know, with Francis, what do you think liberation theology meant? This is a, it is it's sometimes, Steve, people say, oh, how did you see it? It's like, I took them at their word. Yeah, exactly. I believe them. And yeah, it's funny you'd mention Obama because Obama, of course, was all wrapped up in Reverend Jeremiah Wright. And what did he yeah. teach? Black, uh, uh, the uh, black liberation theology. That's what he right. taught. And it, and it is absolute Marxism. I mean, that's all it is. Um, so yeah, fundamentally transform America. I always love what the great one, Mark Levin used to always say, and I, he probably still says it, but he says, um, you don't fundamentally transform that with which you love. And if you want to, if you want a exactly. true test of that, go to your spouse or your significant other and say, I love everything about you. I just want to fundamentally change you and see how the well that works for you. Uh, hint, it doesn't work well. Not, not well at all, Steve. I wish you and your bride and all your family a very happy Christmas. Thanks for helping us ease into the, the pre-Christmas week. How can people find you on TNT with Hesher? Well, you know, we're, we're on every day, Eastern Standard Time, 3 to 5 p.m., State of the Nation. We had a great show today. had the great uh, Reverend uh, C.L. CL Bryant. We Actually, we had a whole bunch of great. I don't want to get on a laundry list. But it's always a great five, show. It's always a yeah, good show. Yeah, it really is. 3 to 5 p.m. right here on TNT Radio. And Timothy... Merry Christmas to you and yours, and thank you. It's a pleasure. Righto. Stay tuned on TNT Radio for the Havoye Morant Show. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.